Verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This story is a story that we read and we don't really think about the implications of what is happening here because we approach it from a, a perspective of knowing the end of the story. We know the end of the story. But there is a reason why it was a mystery. There was a reason why it was a mystery. And matter of fact, there was a reason why people never even thought of Jesus. When they looked at Jesus, they never thought, wow, this guy has come from a virgin birth. I'll tell you what, if someone came from a virgin birth and it was provable and verifiable, you knew something was special about this individual. But no one ever thought of Jesus that way. No one even knew. You say, well, how, how do you not know? And I'll explain how they didn't know in just a moment. This morning as I was in my prayer time, I was not planning on sharing this, but this morning in my prayer time, I went into the room and I did what Jesus said. I went and I went into my room. I closed the door and I began to pray. And in that room, I told the Lord all of my fears, all of my troubles, all of my hardships. I told him all the needs that I had in that room. And do you know who heard that? Nobody except my father. No one knew what happened in that room because it was hidden. And this is what's happening here. And, and the reason why I shared that with you is because, number one, the Lord asked me to share it with you, to share with you what happens in that prayer closet, that it's hidden. And we're going to walk through Scripture to show you how we can pray knowing that we are in the secret place. Mary didn't know what was happening. She had no clue what was going on. The angel comes to her and says, hey, you're going to have a son, and, 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 um, and he's going to be called the Son of the Most High. Now, we read this terminology, and we start to all, all of a sudden imagine that Mary understood everything that the angel was saying. She didn't. She didn't understand everything the angel was saying. Matter of fact, when Jesus was 12 years old, and he was at the temple, and they were looking for him, they didn't know where he was. They were looking for Jesus. And Jesus said to him, as a, as a 12-year-old, said to his parents, listen, didn't you realize that I, would, I have to be at my father's house? The Bible says both of them still didn't understand what was going on. So Mary didn't have this great understanding. When, angel, when the angel Gabriel comes to her and tells her that you are going to have a son, you're going to call him Jesus. And it says you will conceive and give birth to a son. She had no clue how it was going to happen. She knew she wasn't married. She knew she was engaged, but she wasn't with Joseph in the way that you would you would have a, a traditional marriage because the way you would have a traditional marriage is there had to be an exchange in a tent. You know what I'm saying? 
That's what happens when marriage happens. That's the official start of marriage. And, and Joseph and Mary did not know each other in those terms. And so she's asking the angel, how is this going to be? She had no clue. And then the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. All of this language is still common language that you would understand because people understood that God had a son. His name was Adam. And from Adam's descendants came another son named David. And God promised that David was going to be on the throne forever. He told him that one of your sons is going to be on the throne. So all of this language that is being spoken here is still within a earthly concept. Because if you would imagine, you think that the devil would know something is going on. If the devil knew there was a virgin birth, he, he would have known that this was not what, it's, what it looks like. You say, well, how could the devil not know it's a virgin birth? I mean, Gabriel came and said this. I won't go into the depths of it, but all of them were looking for someone, and it wasn't the Son of God. They were looking for the Son of David to come. You see, because their hope was in God's promise that God was going to send David. And this, and Ezekiel tells us that the Son of David was going to come, and his throne would never end. And he would usher in the sanctuary of God, and God would dwell with them. Why? Because God has placed his son, David's son, on the throne forever. And because of that, God's presence would be here on earth. This is what Ezekiel is telling us. People are hoping for the Son of David to come. They're hoping. And that's why Jesus had to come through the line of David. Why? Because it was a promise that God was going to establish his presence here on earth once again, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. And so everyone's looking for a baby. Everyone's looking for a baby. And like I said, we have, we have a, a, a hard time reading the story because we know all of the details. We know Jesus is the Messiah. We know Jesus is the Son of God. We know Jesus is God, but they didn't understand this and like i said if if the enemy knew that jesus was from a virgin birth he would have reevaluated his tactics because the only thing the devil wanted to do was kill him that's all the devil wanted to do was kill him and he motivated people the bible says you know and it's, it's very it's a it's a very interesting thing because usually whenever people are possessed they're possessed by what? Demons. The Bible clearly tells us that there is demonic possession, that demons possess. But there's only one time in Scripture where there was one angel that was able to come into somebody. And his name was Satan. And what did he do? He came into Judas and motivated Judas to the point of, of turning him in so Jesus could be crucified. This is how much the devil wanted to kill Jesus. But see, the devil isn't just... Some, some guy who doesn't have a lot of intelligence. The Bible says he was one of the wisest and most perfect angels ever created. He was full of wisdom. So he's very smart. He's very crafty. He knows and he's very intellectual. He's not just some guy with a pitchfork that goes around and says, oh, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill. No, he's a very intelligent being. And so he, he knows that, that he's waiting for this king. He knows the scriptures. He knows what the, the prophets have said. And he's waiting for the king to come. And he sees that there is something happening here. And he knows that there's something special about Jesus. And so he's got to kill him. But how do you know that he didn't? 
people didn't know Jesus was from a virgin birth. Matter of fact, if you look through Scripture, do you know how they did talk about Jesus? People around that time, they would say, isn't this the carpenter's son? Matthew 13 tells us, isn't this the carpenter's son? (laughs) They didn't say, isn't this the one who was born of a virgin birth and is a miracle? No, they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Luke 3 tells us Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. No one had any idea that Jesus came from a virgin birth. No one had any idea, but Joseph did. See, Joseph was told in Matthew 1, verse 20, it says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because he is conceived, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. In order to save someone from your sin, you have to be willing to, you have to be able to forgive them. And according to the Old Testament, the only one who can forgive sins is God. And now Joseph is told that he is that that what Mary has conceived in from her, inside of her is from the Holy Spirit and he is going to have the ability to forgive sins you think if the angel announces to Joseph someone would have overheard this but how did this come about to Joseph it was in a dream it was never spoken out loud it was in a dream it was private Joseph knew but it was in a dream So who did Mary think was coming? Well, she thought what everyone else thought. A baby. A boy. A future king. Isaiah 7.14 tells us, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We read this verse and man, we know how exciting it must be to know that God is with us. But let's read this verse in context and gain some insight of what this verse is actually telling the King Ahaz. See, King Ahaz was a little worried because these people were were rallying against him and people were joining forces and they were going to attack King Ahaz. And God promised Ahaz, listen, I'm going to take care of it. These things are not going to happen. I'm going to take care of you. And then this is what happens in verse 10 of Isaiah 7. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. So God comes to Ahaz and he promised him just before this, he promises him victory. He promises him everything's going to be okay. And then God says, I want you to ask me a sign, Ahaz. I want you to ask me no matter how high or how low, whatever it is, you ask me and I will do it. I will prove myself to you. And Ahaz says, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. Isaiah gets mad. Because Isaiah knows that God is asking for a sign. Just like when he talks about the tithe and offerings in the law. He says, he says, test me and see if I won't do the test me. And so God is telling Ahaz, listen, I'm asking you to ask me for a sign. And Ahaz, you know, he has that um, fake humility. Oh, I will not test the Lord. I was in a meeting one time. I was in a meeting one time with a bunch of pastors. And they're going around and they said, okay. Let's, let's rank ourselves. Let's rank ourselves and let's see how we rank. How do you consider, how do you look at yourself as a person who can handle a crisis? At a scale of 1 to 10, 
one being horrible and ten being the best. How do you picture yourself? And you know, and everyone's just quiet. And finally, the, the, the leader of the, the meeting looks at me and says, oh, Pete, why don't you tell us? You tell us. You start off, Pete. How do you see yourself? I said, 10 out of 10. How else am I supposed to see myself? Right? I mean, you know, and, and, and I could have put on some false humility. humility. Um, maybe seven, maybe six. And you know what? Everyone else, all the other pastors, maybe seven, maybe six. I mean, it's like, come on. The way we see ourselves is important. And, and, and we need to, to make sure that we always have confidence. We've got to have confidence in who we are in Christ. Not who we are as people, but who we are in Christ. We have confidence. And, and God is telling Ahaz, listen, have confidence in me. Have confidence in me. I'm going to do this. Ask me for a sign. And Ahaz, oh, maybe six out of eight. I don't know. You know, he kind of has this, I'm not going to ask the Lord. And Isaiah is furious. Isaiah is mad because he knew he knew that God was wanting him to ask for, for a sign. And so this is, this is the response. And Isaiah said, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, Ahaz. He's going to give you a sign. And you know what the sign is? A woman is going to have a baby. And you're going to give him a name. You know, this word is better translated as a young woman. A young woman is going to have a baby. And they're going to give him a, a name called Emmanuel. Now, names mean a lot of things. You know, Peter, Rock, and, you know, whatever else name, you know, your name represents. Names are just names. Joshua, the Lord saves, which is Jesus' name in Greek. Jesus' name just literally means the Lord saves in Hebrew. Name is a name. And so the Lord comes to Ahaz and says, I'm going to give you a sign. A woman's going to have a baby. A young lady's going to have a baby. And you're going to call him Emmanuel. Isaiah's like, let's go fight, guys. We have this sign that a woman's going to have a baby. You know, I could just imagine the soldiers. Ahaz, King Ahaz, how do you know we're going to win? A woman's going to have a baby. He's lost it, man. I ain't going to battle with this guy. But this was the sign. A woman's going to have a baby. Now, the way, English translate, the, the way the English translators translate this verse is they know it's talking about Jesus, and so they translate it as virgin. But the literal word is just a young woman. A young woman is going to have a baby. Mary wasn't thinking that she was going to be a virgin now, she knows she is a virgin, and she knows what's going to happen, but she still is confused. She still doesn't understand the whole process of what's going on. And the reason is because 1 Corinthians 2.17 says, No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. God hides things from the world around us for His glory. He doesn't always reveal things. And, and Mary is... Is, is, is being, what, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and being hidden from this world. Now, let me give you an example how God can hide things from our enemy. Jesus says in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. 
because they, they, they all come to realize that he's the Son of God. And so then he tells them, listen, he orders them not to tell anyone that he's the Messiah. Matthew 16, 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day he will be raised to life. So Jesus is, is starting from that time on, when they realize that he is the Messiah, he, he starts opening to, listen guys, I got to go to Jerusalem. I have to suffer. I know you don't want me to, but listen, they're going to kill me. In three days though, don't worry, in three days I'm going to raise from the dead. Then the next chapter, Jesus has this moment called the transfiguration of Christ where he's up on the mountain and there he is with Moses and Elijah and, and you see Elijah and Moses in a, a glorified state. I literally believe that all they saw was just the soul, the life of Moses and Elijah there with Jesus. And then Jesus is there in his glorified state as the risen, as God, and, and as if he was risen already. And they see him in his glorified state. And Jesus, the Bible says, his face was shining like the sun. He was just in the perfect, most glorified place. And he's there on top of a mountain. Don't you think that the enemy would have seen this? Don't you think that the enemy would have been just walking by and saying, whoa, this guy has the face of a son. This guy is glorified. Look at him. I recognize this guy. He's at the right hand of the Father. I know him. But yet, Jesus says, don't tell anyone these things until after I've been raised from the dead. Jesus is speaking openly and honestly about who he is to his disciples, telling them that he must die. Jesus just got done showing Peter, James, and John who he was, talking with Moses and Elijah on this mountain. And yet Jesus tells them not to say anything, not to, be, not to worry about it, that he must be killed and raised to life in three days. You would think the enemy is watching. You would think, I mean, Job tells us that the, the devil goes around and just goes around on the earth and looking for different things. And, and Peter tells us that we have a, it's a, he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You would think Satan would have had an idea that Jesus was not who he says he was, but he was more. But he didn't. That's why 1 Corinthians 2 again says, No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, and that God's destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So Jesus was being hidden in plain sight. Mary was told that she was going to have a child, a virgin birth. This would have sent off red flags in the spiritual world of the enemy but they didn't know. Why? Because it was hidden. And this is what the angel said to her when she asked, how would this be? She says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born you will call the Son of God. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. What does it mean to overshadow? It simply means to come in between, have something that comes in between a light source and the object that it's lighting. Just like a normal shadow, we would understand if, if we were out in the sun and we held up an umbrella, that umbrella overshadows us and everything that you could see from the perspective of the sun shining down is hidden by the umbrella, protected by the umbrella. Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. No one knew. No one knew. The Holy Spirit was hiding her. God is able to hide us from our enemy 
God was able to hide what Jesus said openly to the enemy. God was able to hide the virgin birth from all the people that were around Jesus. God is also able to hide us. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray to the Father, go into your room and close the door. This doesn't make sense. Because if you go into a room and you close the door, your enemy still can hear. They're not restricted because you lock them out. They're not restricted because you shut a door. There is no place in this world that can stop a demonic power or force to go in and out of physical objects. It's just, that's just their nature. Jesus, when he was glorified, he was able to walk through a locked door because he's a spiritual being. And Jesus tells us to go into our room and close the door. What is Jesus trying to tell us? He's trying to teach us. He says, I want you to go into a place and make it private. I want you to find a place and make it private. Now, obviously, a lot of times we pray to the Lord. We're not in a room that has doors that we can close. Sometimes we might be walking. Sometimes we might be in the, in the living room, wherever. So we're not always in a place that has a physical door. But the point is, Jesus says, you make it private. And, and, and this is important because Jesus is going to add a qualification to this ideal of go to a room. He said, go to a room and close the door. Go to your room, go to a room and make it private. Do whatever is necessary to isolate yourself so that it's just you and the Father. There was a time when I was working on the third shift job and I was two or three in the morning and and I just received some bad news that day and it was starting to, to just wear on me. And finally about two or three in the morning, I run to the bathroom while I'm at work and I just started to break down in tears. Just started to break down in tears and I, I, just, I just said, God. And in that bathroom, God's presence came and flooded that place. I did not have to go and close every single stall door. I did not have to lock the outside of the door. What I did was I went to a place where I could be by myself with the Lord and I made sure that no one else was there and I just said, God, I need you. And at that moment, His presence came. Go into a room, close the door, make it private. And pray to your Father. Make it personal. We have to pray to the one who loves us. We have to pray to the one who is our father he's not just a father he's our father he's the one who cares for us he's the one who loves us he's the one who's been watching every single moment and breath we've ever had upon this earth he is our father and jesus reminds us that we cannot see him but he knows jesus knows that our father can see us you go into your room you make it private You pray to your Father who's unseen. And then your Father, and this is what I love, your Father who sees what is done in secret. You notice Jesus makes sure to remind us that what we do has been done in secret. And then your Father who is unseen 
sees what is done in secret. Jesus is not lying to us here. Jesus is letting us know that when you go into that room and you begin, just like I shared this morning, about how I go into my room and I tell him my fears and I tell him my worries, I tell him my concerns, I tell him my heartaches, I tell him everything that I need from him. And it is in secret. No one knows. Because see, it's God who comes and overshadows that prayer room. And he says, it's just us. It's just you and me. Let's talk. You see, a lot of times we miss that about prayer. We miss the concept that it really is just between us. I was working for General Motors before I went to North Central. And I was given an opportunity. I was given an opportunity to, to take on a supervisor job and to make some pretty good money. But something in my heart was telling me that I had to go. I had to leave. I was just offered a position. It was guaranteed. It was perfect. But I'm at church one day and I'm praying and, and, and I, I couldn't make it to church. I didn't make it to church for three months because I was working 16 hours days Monday through Saturday and 12 hours on Sundays. I just couldn't, I couldn't make it. And I just felt so alone. Now during this time, I still read my Bible and I prayed. I would get up, I would, you know, praise the Lord, I don't sleep that long. And, and, but I would get up and I would read my Bible and I would pray and I would get to work and I would, I would lunchtime and whatever I had a moment, I would just pray and study and do whatever I can to keep my spirit fed. But it was a hard time and, and now I was offered a position to work at GM. And they were offering some pretty serious money. So I go to the church and I just begin to pray. I still had keys to the church, so it was, it was like 2 or 3 in the morning and I got there and I, I unlocked it and I went in and I started praying and I go up to the balcony. Just go up to the balcony. And I just started to tell my father all of my concerns, my heartaches, how I wasn't happy, how I was scared, how I didn't know what he wanted from me. You see, because I knew that God called me into the ministry, but I was fighting it. I didn't want to go. And I'm up there, and all of a sudden, I get caught up in a vision. And I'm telling you, I do not know if it was in body or out of body. It was that real. I get caught up in this vision and all of a sudden I started to leave. And I started to leave and I started to go and, and, and as I'm going, I'm approaching this room and, and as it's almost like a, the, a movie scene where the, the, the curtains are being pulled back or the light is starting to pan out and you're starting to see all of the, the surroundings that were once hidden and, and all of a sudden I saw nothing but beauty of gold and, and rubies and diamonds and, and it was like treasure chests with coins overflowing and everything was just 
so much wealth. You could just feel it. I mean, it was, it was such an incredible thing. And here I am, and I'm being caught up, and I'm being taken to this room, and it's filled nothing but with the treasures, all the things of this world you could imagine that is of wealth. And here it is, and it's just such a beautiful scene. Everything is sparkling. Everything is pure. Everything is great. And it's just amazing. And then all of a sudden, as I'm going into this room, there in the middle was just this area that was cleared. It was just a little area that was cleared. And right in the middle were two chairs. Just two chairs. And it was my father inviting me to sit with him. Just to be with him. And I sat in the chair across from my father and everything else faded. You see, when you go into your prayer time, when you go into those rooms, it is a secret place, and the Holy Spirit overshadows you, and it's just you and Him. It's just you and Him. Tell Him your fears. Tell Him your worries. Tell Him everything that's on your heart. Just be with Him. And you know what Jesus said? That it is that moment that your Father will reward you. He will reward you. Not because I sat in that chair asking Him for money or asking Him for fame or asking Him for things of this world. It was because I just sat in the chair and I said, Father, I want to know you. I just want to know you. I need things, yes, but I just want to know you. And I started to develop a relationship. And because of that relationship, I get rewarded. You get rewarded. But it's all in secret. It's all covered in the shadow of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalm 17, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Hide me, Lord. Psalm 27 tells us, For in the days of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. Set me high upon a rock. Hide me, Lord. Psalm 31:20 says, In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men. Hide me. You see, God wants us to come into that place, into that room, and let him overshadow the moment. And then you guys can have a talk. I encourage you this week when you pray, don't just pray as normal. Find a place, close the door, make it private. And then just realize that it's just you and him. And you just talk. Talk. And you know what God is going to do? He's going to speak things to you of the reward that he's going to give you. He's going to remind you of who he is. And you are going to leave that place knowing that what has happened in there is going to take place. Because I know this, that my God has never lied. I know that my God has never spoken something that is not true. He never will lie. He's always going to fulfill what he's promised. But you have to have faith and you have to believe. Because I'll tell you this, once you get outside of that room, the devil knows something happened in there. The enemy knows that something happened because you're walking out with confidence. You're walking out with a smile on your face. You're walking out believing in God. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to try to discourage you with everything that he can. 
And if you start to feel discouraged, you start to feel like things aren't working out, you go back to that room and you close the door. Because just remember what Jesus says, your Father sees what is done in secret. God was able to hide the virgin birth from everyone. God was able to hide the conversations that Jesus had with his disciples. And God is able to hide you in his presence. And that is where you start to have a relationship. When my wife and I were dating, and we were getting to know each other, it got to the point where we started to realize that we wanted to be with each other. And you know what we started to do? We started to let our hearts open. And we became vulnerable to each other. We just began to let, we began to speak freely to each other. We began to share those intimate things that we would never share. Things that they could use, she could use for my embarrassment or my hurt or my pain. But when I began to trust her and I began to share, now it's easy to share my heart because I trust her. Go into that room, develop that relationship with your father. And then know this, that when you walk out, you better be expecting something's going to happen because he is never going to fail you. My God will reward you for everything you do in secret. I don't know what goes on in your prayer time, but I do know this, that when you come out, it's going to be rewarded. Jesus wants us to know that our Father is going to reward us, that we have faith we have faith in God and that we, we do not displease him, but we please him. Why? Because we believe he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Jesus promises us our father sees and will reward. So start praying. Close those doors. Spend time with him this week and watch God move. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just pray for your people. Lord, I pray God that you just remind them Lord, that all the things of this world do not compare to the moments we get to spend with you. I pray, Father, we would go into our prayer closet, we would shut the door, and we would pray and be honest and open with you, that we wouldn't hide things from you, but we would just lay it all out on the line, and we would tell you everything. And Lord, I know this, that you see. You see it. You know us. You are watching and you are there with us. And Jesus, you have promised that the Father who sees will reward us because it is in secret and you will reward that. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless your people. I pray, Father, that every time they enter those prayer closets, God, that you would move mountains on their behalf. Every time they seek you, that you would reward them, Father, not so that we can build up fame or or wealth for ourselves, but we can continue to do what you've asked us to do, to tell people about Jesus, to show people what it looks like to have a relationship with a God who loves them. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that we would be people who believe in the words that Jesus spoke, that when we pray, we would go into our room and close the door. We would pray to our Father who is unseen. And the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward us. Heavenly Father, we pray this. We thank you. I pray you bless every single person this week. Give us all the things we need and be with us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.